What's up, everybody? This is Brandon, co-host of Sleep Hawk Worldwide with Tyler Hansbrough. The general idea of our podcast, if you haven't figured that out by now, is that we generally don't have one. We don't know how to work the sound or the editing software. We don't know what we're going to talk about when each episode comes on. And if you're a listener, again, you can clearly tell that most of the time we don't have any idea what we're talking about once we do figure that out. What we do know is 2020 has been a shit year, but it pretty much forced us to start this podcast. And we know that if you're listening to this, it's likely you made it through more than one of these things, and we want you to know we appreciate your support. Because even though we don't really have any idea what we're doing, Big Hawk and I really intend to figure it out and make a run of this thing in 2021 and beyond. So enough of the small talk. I'm sure your kids are screaming in the backseat. You're at your in-laws. This is literally the only viable escape. Lucky for you, I've been procrastinating. Today, we're launching the Christmas star of podcasts. I mean, this is Jupiter, Saturn, butt-fucking each other. A doubleheader, a twofer. That's right, Sleep Hawk Nation. There are two new episodes coming your way on Christmas Day. Turn off that bullshit Mariah Carey song. Tell your kids to go outside. Refill your father-in-law's drink or whatever. And, you know, tell your mom not to eat the brownies out of the Ziploc bag. Because our present to you is too hot off this, this straight mixtape Sleep Hawk Worldwide episodes. And they're beginning right now. Merry Christmas, everybody. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleep Hawk Worldwide Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Staten, along with the Big Hawk. What's up, everybody? Uh, we got a great pod. Really looking forward to talking about a lot of different things. This is the Big Dog. Yeah, we got a lot to get to, Big Dog. We got uh, the breakdown that everybody's been waiting for. Uh, who stays, who goes. Bennett, Noah, uh, decisions been made. Uh, I learned the other day that there are such things as uh, you have to say there's a spoiler alert in, in certain cases so that we don't break anybody or like tell anybody what happened before they actually get to watch it. But you know what? If you come here, that's on you because you're going to get the you know the most current information uh we're gonna break down uh unc's breakdown on defense uh their loss to iowa which was uh i don't know a mixed bag it was part good part bad uh we're gonna get into the nba that's right around the corner got a, uh you know big hawk was telling me right before this and it's a great point that in a lot of ways there's more drama in the nba than there is on the bachelorette and so we're going to talk about some of that uh it involves like strip clubs and contracts and um you know and also some 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 broken hearts i think so and, and hurt feelings but uh, all that and more and uh we're anxious to get into it what you been up to big hawk uh not a lot i mean we got a lot of drama to cover today which the the big dog loves um ex- i mean the bachelorette i mean w- what can happen will happen. Uh, that's what I love. But obviously, uh, we'll discuss the Iowa loss uh, in Iowa. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, let's go there first because, uh, you know, what we've learned about ourselves here is we are the go to bachelorette news source probably at least on the East Coast at this point. And if they find out about us in L.A., probably going to be on a private plane. So you guys enjoy this while you got it because this is really inside lane into to what's really going on and what people really care about. Um, you know, Tyler covers the real emotional aspect of things, and I cover the obvious aspect of things. Um, so we're going to start with, uh, you know, the obvious place we should start because, you know, Tyler played basketball and I went to UNC and we're going to break down, you know, what happened with the heels against Iowa. Uh, I think that, um, 
you know, it was obviously our chance to really establish ourselves. I think there's a lot of storylines that come out of it. Kind of the same thing happened that usually happens, which is we got behind and then, you know, I was impressed by the way we came back in the second half. Like, I feel like this is a consistent theme. You know, we show that we are not just good, but we have the potential to be really good. You don't get down on the road against a team like Iowa and come back from 16 points down, take the lead in the second half, and then somehow you still wind up losing by 13. Uh, it's a roller coaster ride with those guys. What'd you see in it? Yeah, so uh, kind of the resounding theme for the past couple, you know, games or kind of the season is. How are we going to get off to a good start? And I think it is a sign of a young team is when you have these lead roller coasters um, where you have these big swings. They play good together uh, on spurts. They get it together and they look really good. And there's some letdowns. That's a sign of a young team, in my opinion. Um, yeah, the Iowa game was a big statement. You know, we just came off a big, big loss to Texas, which is a very good team. And then you have uh, Iowa, who has arguably the best player in college basketball, uh, Luca Garzit. And this has created a lot of pub. But we also have one of the best big men uh, in the ACC, Garrison Brooks, who is very hyped. And I was kind of looking forward to that matchup. And what I got from that game, kind of taken away from what UNC did wrong, is I like this kid. I think this Luca Garza kid is really good. And what I like the best about him, uh, I think he plays with passion. And I love that. And I don't think, I think college basketball is missing passion. I see kids nowadays where they make a mistake and they just get down. And it seems like to me that this guy is getting the most out of what he has. I wouldn't say he's the most athletic guy. He doesn't run the floor well. But what I do take away from him is he maximizes the the important parts of the game. Like he knows how to use his body. He knows how to take contact. He knows angles. And he makes you pay. And I'll tell you what, his shooting percentage didn't look good. But the impact he had on the game was huge. I mean, you could tell that our defense early on was so focused on Luka inside that it left the perimeters vulnerable. And once they started, you know, early on getting those shots and those three-point shots down, it gave their guards confidence, and that put us in a hole from the start. And those guys looked like they were warm-ups. I mean, they were just draining threes left and right. And traditionally, like one of my always frustrations watching the heels sometimes is they can struggle sometimes to guard the perimeter. You know, it seems like they'll 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 pack it inside sometimes. Again, I. I kind of talk outside of what I, you know, my, uh, you know, probably higher than I should because I don't, I don't really know what I'm talking about in terms of basketball strategy, right? But it seems a lot like we can get in trouble against good shooting teams because we have a hard time getting out and guarding the perimeter. And then on top of that, these dudes are just on fire. I mean, these guys, what I took away from watching the Iowa game was that I was a great team. Now, of course, they have, you know, the potential to, you know, run up on someone on a cold shooting night and, you know, uh, not farewell because I was thinking to also like, hey, th- at one point in the first half, they were like 70% from three. They'd hit like 12 or 16 or something crazy. I don't even know what it was. And, and I kept thinking to myself, they can't do that all night. It's just statistically impossible, basically. Um, 
And sure enough, they cooled off. We come back. But to your point, it was very obvious that everybody was concentrating the paint. And when you kick it out, the difference between, you know, what Iowa did versus what we did is when they kick it out, they got shots and they made shots. And when we kick it out, we got shots. We didn't make shots. Yeah. And also, if you look at some of their, the ball movement from Iowa. So they threw it down to Luca. The defense sucks in. Luca kicks it back out. One or two passes. Bang. And that's a sign of a, you know, also a well-coached team, mm-hmm. but also a team that's been playing well together. Yeah. And so a team that's more veteran and knows how to play uh, well with each other. Where you look at our team is we got a lot of young guys and a lot of young guys from the wing positions. So people are still trying to build that chemistry. That's why I think we're going to be a second half, uh, second half or of, of the, the season, year yeah. basketball team. I think we're going to be, we're going to catch our stride in the second half of the year, but Iowa plays really well together and you can tell they've been together uh, for a long time and one thing I will say coming into the game I think Luca was averaging 34 points Mm -hmm. per game something absurd like 12 rebounds and of course, defensively, your focus is going to be on that guy. He's creating a lot of hype. This is arguably the best player in, in college uh, basketball right now. And so that he's going to draw so much attention. And I could see where he starts to bring the defense in. Oh, we have a double team coming from the side. Make a quick outlet pass to the open guy. And then they find that guy that's open from the double. And, I mean, it's just it's layup line from there. Yeah, and the thing I thought too is, you know, to kind of go back to my point about <clears throat> frustration around perimeter defense, I didn't think we played poor perimeter defense. I thought those guys just got themselves open and they and it wasn't like, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of swing outs where some dude's just standing on an island, right? It was a lot of like closeouts where we're getting there, but this dude is two or three steps behind the three-point line and just letting it fly and just no no well they had three guys that made all 17 threes. I mean, you're not going to win a game if you have seven if your opponents uh, make 17 threes, especially if you turn the ball over 18 times. And th- we're just going to have those games. When you run like we run or and you're young, like we're young, I mean, you can pretty much just count on like eight to 10 turnovers because we just run. And we make those passes, like those entry passes that we're trying to hit the big man on the run, you know, and catch and, and you know, when they catch it sort of like right at the low block and lay it in, right? I mean, we just, I would miss those passes five or six times a game. And those are the, those are the ones you can live with, but you got to figure those are, you know, five or six turnovers just guaranteed. But 18, like, you know, you got to start, you got to start stopping the bleeding at some point. And I was listening to Roy Williams after the game. Someone asked him in the media a really great question about uh, when you have a young team, um, you know, how much, you know, the question was along the lines of, you know, you see the team struggle early and then you come back and do really well in the second half. And they were kind of asking, like, you know, what kinds of things Roy says to the team at halftime to sort of, change course and get them to adjust. And and of course, Roy was saying, well, hey, we practice three days a week before the game. You know, they should already know these things. But I was curious to get your take on, you know, how how these young teams sort of transition, it seems so well at the half when it seems like maybe, hey, they're reminded of things that, you know, they're not doing that they should know. Yeah. And I'll touch on what you said early on is when those three guys got hot. I mean, that's a sign that a young player... Uh, might not catch that. Hey, these three guys are hot right now. Don't let them shoot. If you're a more experienced veteran player, if there's three guys out there that are scoring and are just having a really good game, have their confidence up, don't leave them open. Okay? 
It's that simple. And as you grow as a player, you learn things like that. And I will say the frustrating thing about this is you saw how they came out and started the second half and you watched them and you're like, okay, this is how we're going to play. We're going to come back and get this game. That's the type of passion that this team needs to play with. They need to run. Okay. They need to quit worrying about their mistakes and they need to buy in with each other because the start of that uh, second half, that was great basketball to watch. So that's a, that's what the good UNC teams do. That's how Roy Williams coaches a team. And also to your point about turnovers, hey, we're going to have turnovers. We're going to have more possessions than most people have in a game because we go up and down. So to your point is when you have more possessions, you're more vulnerable to turnovers and the, and the speed of the game creates that, um, creates the turnovers. But I will say, I think as this team grows, what we're going to see, what we saw in the second half, we're going to see that, you know, hopefully soon to start games and last us, you know, we're going to see those good spurts as this team, as their chemistry grows. But I will talk about one player who I really, really like, and that's RJ Davis. I think RJ Davis came off. I think he's been playing really well and I'm really excited to see this kid grow. I actually have him um, as rookie of the year in the ACC. I think he's going to be an unbelievable player. I like how he scores. I like his confidence. I like his tempo. I like how he runs. And we've seen this in spurts. We saw him play well in Texas, and we saw him have some moments in Iowa. And I think this guy can – can really play. And what I like about that is he's doing that against high level competition. So I think we're going to see a lot out of him and I'm, I really like his game. Yeah. I, it's, it's, um, you know, it's kind of nice that we're, we're, we're getting some of these kids going against some, you know, some high quality opponents. So that was the one thing that, you know, I looked at Iowa going in and I was like, yeah, they're scoring 99 a game. Luca's got 34 a game and all this. And I looked at who they played and it was just straight up nobody. Right. <laughs> and then they play us and do the same thing, basically. Right. So, um, you know, Luca was a little bit more uh, tepid on the scoring end. But like you said, he impacted the game in so many ways. Those guys, I just think I was a great team after watching them. And it's kind of fun that there's, there's a storyline like that uh, in the league in a weird way that reminded me a lot of. Uh, you know, some of the better Duke teams in that they were really reliant on the three. Uh, but, you know, it was all a product of a very deliberate offense because um, they didn't really seem to push the pace that much. But I don't mention that for any reason other than to segue into um, this sh- shot I saw of Kay on the sidelines. You know, he's made the news about... Um, you know, they obviously, so, so let me back up. They lose, Carolina loses. And I'm like, God, the only thing that can salvage this, the only thing that ever salvages a Carolina loss is a Duke loss to follow it up. Right. Which of course we got, uh, Duke does. I haven't watched a minute of Duke basketball. I just watched the scores and the scores don't look good. Uh, and then it's, um, you know, then it's kind of made some rounds in the news that now all of a sudden coach K seems to think that, uh, you know, maybe we shouldn't have been playing this season. And I was just curious to get your take on that without uh, walking you into a yeah, war well, zone. Yeah, you know, everything changes. It seems like the numbers are going up. Um, one thing, when numbers go up, precautions go up. And the one thing I noticed about Kay is he likes to wear his mask around his chin. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, Coach Kay, I got a lot of respect for you. The mask covers the mouth and nose. When you get really close within six feet of that ref, you might want to put it over your mouth and nose so you don't. You, there's a lower transmission uh, percentage between the two of you. He's still going to hear you ask him 
him to start calling the fouls and stuff. Like he he he's gonna he can hear you through that thing. Is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Also, you don't have to put your head down to cuss out the refs. Uh, <laughs> listen, uh, I got a lot of respect for Kay. He does have a point. My only problem with this is you should have said it before the season. I mean, we had this issue for a long time. If you want to make this type of push, do it early and then make. You know, have a statement saying, hey, listen, numbers, if numbers go out of crazy, then we should stop. Um, and this is a thing. I mean, uh, if this is a true issue and we're putting healthcare workers, you know, making them vulnerable, everybody at the hospital with these numbers going up, then maybe we should pause it. But I do think that um, college basketball, you're able to isolate the players. You can put them in hotels, you can put them in dorms and you can keep them away. Um if they're okay with that, listen, if there's any player playing college basketball and you don't feel safe or you have some underlying health condition, just go sit out. And people will understand this. But listen, this is where we are in the season. And a lot of people signed. I mean, players knew what they were getting into. A lot of players have had COVID. And I'm not advocating for somebody, you know, if you sit out, then, you know, you're a pussy. No, if listen, everyone understands that if you just don't want to play then we get it. It's not passion. But listen, this statement should have came out a while ago. Yeah, and I think part of me, you know, the Carolina fan in me is like, dude, this is some bullshit. Of course he would say this now, right? I think the realist in me realizes that like a lot of these comments are made at certain times and they come across a certain way. I think he's... I don't think that he's like, oh, shit, we've lost two games. Now I don't want to play anymore. But it is a bad look. uh, And I love that it's a bad look because anytime he just, uh, you know, kind of puts his foot in his mouth like that, I'm going to jump on it. And I know everybody else, all these other UNC fans are, too. Yeah. And one thing I will say is Coach Williams has a great mask and uh, he wears it. He wears it properly. And uh, his shoe game is on point, too. On point. On point. And that's one of the next things we wanted to get into before we make a transition over into the NBA. It's like the coolest part. I don't know if this is COVID or what, but like Roy has just got just straight limited release J's on every single game. And like, um, I don't know, man. So it, it sort of made me start to think about uh, is Roy having like a what would you call it? Like a reemergence of of uh, I don't know, man, like just hipness or like, I mean, he's always seemed cool to fans like people like me. I mean, you know, him as a coach and, and, and that sort of stuff. He seems, you know, pretty, pretty formal. Um, you know, coaches always wear suit. He's always been a suit guy, right? He always wears the sneakers when it's, uh, you know, coaches versus cancer. But aside from that, you know, he's to the nines, uh, shout out Julian's just keeping him looking sharp every game, but dude, the Jays, man, it's, it's such a good look. I agree. And one thing I will say is Coach Williams comes from the mountains, but I will say this guy's got some fashion. He's taking fashion to the next level. I mean, his drip has been serious from day one. You can start with the suits. He's not afraid to go bold. And now he's starting to throw the shoe game into it, especially since Jordan is a – I mean, UNC is a Jordan school with limited additions. I mean, Coach Coach Williams is coming out there, and when he's getting ready for some of these games, I can see some flash flooding going on in some of these areas with some of the drip that he's bringing out. The retro fours, uh, all whites with the Carolina blue. Uh, he's doing big things, and uh, I've always respected the drip. The opponent better bring a life jacket and a Dean Dome. Might get washed out of there. Um, you know, do you think you can talk? So so a lot of you, obviously, this is a podcast, so you can't see us. And, and truthfully, right now, um, Big Hawk is dressed down. But here lately, Big Hawk's been dressing up. And I'm talking dressing up to the chin. And what I mean by that is Big Hawk's been on a turtleneck kick. 
and he's already pretty tall. Uh, but dude, I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's a pretty fly look, and I'm wondering if you can get if you can get a get Roy in a turtleneck, and then B, you know, what are the odds of getting iced out? I don't know if we're gonna get him a turtleneck. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I wore a turtleneck as a joke, and I ended up actually like fits it fits well. I, I actually, I'll be honest with you, I look good in it. And uh, my girlfriend said it looks like a joke, but damn. And I was like, yeah, I looked in the mirror too, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm a big turtleneck guy. Um, I don't know if Julian's has turtlenecks. I know Coach Williams loves Julian's, but hey, put the guy in a turtleneck. We'd all love to see it. I think that would really, I mean, that's it. You know, you got like a black turtleneck, some sort of, you know, Julian's, uh, you know, plaid Carolina blue, Argyle. black Argyle, you know, and just uh, some prom night 11s and... Roy Williams might leave with a W and your girl. I would love to have the turtleneck collar Argyle. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, was it Alexander Julian? Yeah. If you're oh, yeah. out there, hey, man, listen, you, that's free advice coming from two just fashion-forward podcast hosts that are uh, known to dabble in all things um, popular. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think we see it, but I, I think we start a movement here. Just get Roy in a turtleneck, um, and I think it's just intimidating. I mean, the dude shows up. You already know there's a high – there's, what, a career 74% chance of getting your ass beat. I think that goes up exponentially higher than the win percentage if Roy's in a turtleneck. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we'll see what kind of influence we have. One question, seriously, though, about the shoes and everything is I was curious from your standpoint – um, you know, obviously we're Jordan sponsored school. We see it in football. We got some killer uniforms, I think, on uh, coming out for the Miami game. Uh, football wise, Tyler says he doesn't like the Navy. We can get into that too. But but the the apparel from like a recruiting, you know, just I guess not even just recruiting, but does that really? I mean, how does that implicate or, or how does that influence someone, you know, prospect's decision to come to UNC or somewhere else? Yeah, I think it's pretty uh, unique. I mean, anytime that uh, you have limited edition Jordans, I think the guys get a few year. I'm not sure how much, but, you know, you're talking retro 11s, you're talking about the fours, um, whatever it is, uh, the mid ones. I think it's appealing to a high school kid. I mean, I definitely thought it was really cool, and uh, I'm not even a shoe guy. But I will say, yeah, I mean, coming to a Jordan school, it definitely has an impact, and it definitely separates you from, like, you listen, Duke's not Jordan. Kentucky's not Jordan. Uh, Kansas, hell, Kansas wears Adidas. I mean, Adidas, whatever it's called. Uh, yeah, get, listen, uh, we're Jordan. You're not, and we're a basketball powerhouse. That That's one thing that separates us. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I I mean, as unbiased as I could possibly be, which is not very unbiased, I mean, we have just, you go into UNC, if you've never been on campus at Chapel Hill, which I realize our, our listenership of about 30 people are all like centrally located in Chapel Hill, but the student store in Chapel Hill, I mean, you can just get dripped the hell out in UNC gear and it is all so sick. I mean, weird shit, like a vest with a hood on it. You're like, yeah, gotta have it. Um, So yeah, I think we got the best apparel going and um you know uh it would help if we could uh, win some games in it too to uh, to back that up but um you know next thing we were kind of going to get into was uh the nba right around the corner um there's a lot of storylines uh and a lot of them are prevalent right now because we got this abbreviated season coming on the back end of an abbreviated season and there's a ton of 
uh, I think, interesting things going on in the NBA right now, not the least of which is the whole uh, James Harden saga. Yeah, so um, listen, if anybody follows the NBA, you understand that there there might be more drama than the, in the NBA than the Bachelorette. And there is a lot of more drama in the NBA than any other professional sport. Uh, what what happened over the weekend apparently is James Harden uh, broke the COVID protocol and uh, decided, I think he went to a strip club. Um, you know, uh, I know what happened in the bubble. I think uh, Lou Williams made an honest, honest mistake. He got a to-go <laughs> order from downtown Atlanta strip club. He just wanted some damn wings. And uh, from to Magic this City. point, I've had the... the <laughs> I've had the chicken wings at that place, and they are unbelievable. But uh, listen, uh, it happens. Uh, he made a mistake and dropped on in that thing, and now he's got to go into con- concussion or COVID protocol. I think he has to pass six negative tests every day in a row to go back to the team facility. And the best part about that is I don't think he cares. I don't think he wants to because he's like holding out or whatever. I haven't been following the story very closely, but he seems pretty pissed that the Rockets have basically just been like, you know what? Russ is out of here. Who they bring in? Chris Paul or did they flip him for some? No, it wasn't Chris Paul. Chris Paul's with the Suns. I actually, they actually brought in uh, the big uh, DeMarcus Cousins came in. They, oh, they John Wall. In, uh, yeah, they brought yeah. in a few more pieces, but I think the pieces that they brought in were kind of like, even though DeMarcus Cousins was one of the best bigs in the NBA, he's coming off an injury. John Wall is coming off an Achilles injury. Um, two big time uh, NBA superstars with potential, like it has a chance to work, but they a lot of things have to happen for that to work. Team chemistry, obviously John Wall has to get over his Achilles injuries, which is one of the biggest injuries to overcome as you know in any sport that requires a lot of athleticism once you tear an Achilles you saw it with happen with Kobe you're never quite the same and John Wall relies so much on athleticism I'm going to be curious to see what that does DeMarcus Cousins same thing coming off an injury uh, one of the best players in the NBA uh, a few years ago I'm going to be curious to see how he uh, comes and what kind of shape and everything he's in I think they'll both be have a really good year whether Harden's there or not uh, they're going to be a good team, but obviously, if you ha- if you add Harden to this mix, uh, I think it puts them into uh, Western Conference con- contention. Obviously, I don't think they're a top four team. Uh, the Lakers, Clippers. Um, just jump in my head automatically. Uh, Denver is going to be a really good team. But um, there's talks that Harden might join Brooklyn or the Bucks, which obviously add a lot of drama. Listen, if he goes to the Brooklyn uh, Nets and you surround, you put Kyrie, you put KD, then you have Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan, um, I think Brooklyn's going to win it. I mean, dude, that would be absurd. Um, the only, the only, you know, question mark there, I guess, is KD coming off of his injury. But you know, I know how high you are on KD. I mean, the dude's lethal in all aspects of the game. I mean, you got guys. I mean, you got. I mean, basically, those three: Kyrie, KD, and James Harden would just be absurd. It would be an awesome story to see. 
you know, KD realigned with James Harden uh, after, you know, they had, I mean, dude, it still amazes me. They had Westbrook, KD, James Harden, and Serge Ibaka in Oklahoma City. Like, what you, I would like literally start selling um, three MVPs. Know, oh my one God. Team. One team, and then they never, well, they, they get to the finals one year, and then LeBron beat them, which we'll get to uh, next. But yeah, DeAndre Jordan, always been one of my favorite guys, just the sheer force with, this, with which this dude just dunks on people. Uh, and the fact that I could definitely shoot free throws better than he can. Uh, love DeAndre Jordan. Probably my favorite player out of the whole thing. Spencer Dinwiddie, very underrated player. Uh, all the ladies listen right now. You're probably at about five times the speed. We're getting to the bachelor. Just chill out. We're going to get there. Um, but uh, yeah, dude, I think Brooklyn is has a lot of potential. Uh, I don't like Kyrie. Uh, I kind of like KD. I don't have anything against him. He's just one of those guys that like... Uh, have a ton of respect for, but I've become like such a LeBron uh, fanboy that like I just want to see him win. So pretty much anybody that's against him, the Bucks is what interests me because I mean they're already pretty good, and Giannis is just like scary good, and then James Harden. But it seems to me that they might not mesh that great together, not in terms of personality, but just in terms of, like skill set. I just I just see those as two guys that really need the ball. Yeah, they would definitely have to work with the, each other's chemistry. Um, yeah, and try to figure that out. Giannis is a big question mark. Is he going back to uh, Milwaukee after this year if he signs that extension? But once again, uh, you know, I said it before. I'm actually going to take Brooklyn to win the NBA championship. I know you're not a big fan of Kyrie. I think when he really puts his head into it and really is focused, I think he's one of the best players in the NBA, and I think he can carry a team. You saw that uh, when they beat Golden State when he was with Cleveland. He was a big-time player, made some big-time shots. But uh, also Kyrie, I mean, he brings a little drama. and um, Thinks the earth is flat among yeah. them. Earth is flat. Sometimes you, these guys say things, and this is a good thing about the NBA is you start scratching your head like, huh? <laughs> and, uh, you know, Kyrie came in media day. Hey, listen. He's going stealth mode. He's not talking to any media. His uh, he's going to let his playing do his talking, and uh, I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, Brooklyn's got a you know a real good shot. Uh, obviously, they have a new head coach, and um, I can't even think. He's one of my favorite. Steve uh, Nash. Steve yeah. Nash. Steve Nash. High basketball IQ. One of one of the toughest players I've ever played against. One of the best endurance basketball players that this guy never stops when I played against him. I was a big fan of Nash and I remember playing against him. I actually think they had Omari and then for half a season he got traded to New York. But this guy has a high basketball IQ. Uh, I'll be interested to see what he likes to do. Obviously he comes from a Mike D'Antoni background. I'll be curious to see what he takes from D'Antonio's, D'Antonio's style and adds it to his own Brooklyn. But I'm really interested to see what happens there. Well, and it's, you bring up a really good point there that I didn't think of. is like It would be really cool to see what he can get out of Kyrie. You know, because Steve Nash was, I mean, dude, nasty. Uh, but yeah, him, you know, if Kyrie will sort of like open up and sort of take his advice about certain things, I would imagine. I mean, Steve Nash knows what he's got in him. And, and Kyrie's got to have just sort of a sort of built in respect for the guy since, you know, he what Steve Nash was MVP two time, two years in a row, wasn't he? Fun fact, Steve Nash has more regular season MVPs than Kobe. Hmm. Dude, Steve Nash was uh was a beast. Um, you know who else is a beast? LeBron. And that's why my money on the Lakers to repeat, uh, would this be what, three in a row? Or just two? No, it's two, because yeah, they sucked all the year before. But yeah. Um 
I don't know, dude. I just don't see anybody stopping LeBron. I still think he's just the best player in the league. Uh, I think he's the second best player of all time. Um, you know, take a take a wild long shot at who number one is. Um, but it's just, you know, again, we talked about a couple episodes ago. If AD goes down, can really change things. But you mentioned, uh, you know, Kyrie and in, in, in Cleveland. Well, remember what happened with Kyrie when LeBron left Cleveland, right? They were the, like the worst team in the league the year after he was gone. I don't know. I could go on and on about LeBron. Uh, I just don't, you know, I'm not betting against him until somebody proves otherwise. Yeah, and uh, listen, there's a lot of things out in the West that could cause some problems, but I would think for the Lakers not to make it to the championship, um, NBA championship this year, I think there would have to be some injuries. Uh, AD's uh, has a long injury history. Uh, LeBron, obviously, he's getting up there in age. He can't continue to play this good for this long. It's unbelievable what he does. Um, and one thing that a lot of like average fans who watch the game may not know about LeBron and he doesn't get enough credit for this, um, is he has the highest basketball IQ of, I think, anybody that's ever played the game. I played against LeBron a ton. So we took him when I was in Indiana. We went to game seven with them in the Eastern Conference Finals. And when he was with D. Wade um, and Bosh, I thought we had a chance. We went to Miami and they uh, steamrolled us early on and it was over probably by the third quarter. But one thing I will say playing against LeBron is this guy knows every single play. Not only does he know every single play, he knows everybody's what they like to do, their favorite move, what they like to prefer, where they're good at on the court, all the way down to, you know, eight or nine players on the team. He knows what they do, how they score, and where they're going to be. He knows your plays. And it's unbelievable to watch him and how smart he is and how he plays a game. And the right basketball reads that he makes during games is unbelievable. Even I think this might be bullshit, but I remember him saying at one point, that he knew how the shooters like to catch the ball, either like with the seams or, you know, I mean, I never met anybody that liked to shoot the ball, not on the seams, but, you know, that he would pass the ball to example for Ray Allen, you know, uh, you know, uh, and put the spin on the ball so that when Allen catches it, he's ready to shoot and doesn't have to take that, you know, nanosecond to shift the ball in his hands on the way up. Yeah. And I'll, I got a story about LeBron is we're playing in the playoffs when I was in Indy and I'm real particular about my shoes. And so, you know, LeBron's got his own shoe. He's got a signature signature shoe and then he has a team edition shoe. The team edition, you know, like you'll see college athletes wearing them and things like that. They just kind of mass produce them and they give them to different teams. High school teams will have them. But I remember it was the only shoe that I really, really liked. And so I was in the, we were in the, uh, in the NBA playoffs and we're about to play in Miami. And I was like, damn, I don't want to wear LeBron's shoe when we're going to be playing against him. So I switched my shoe up. It was game one. I go up to the free throw line to shoot free throw. And I hear like, damn, Tyler, you're have to change my shoe out for this game. <laughs> in my mind, I just laughed, but I kept ignoring. I was like, damn. Motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> remembers what kind of shoes I wear. Yeah. He knows everybody in the league that wears his shoes, dude. That is an ultimate. Uh, yeah, dude, that's, that's a good one. Um, my story is a whole lot less personal since I've never played against or with LeBron James, but I have been to see him in person twice. Both times he had a triple double. Uh, one of which it just kind of speaks to his basketball IQ. So I had a seat um, like in the mezzanine level at a 
American Airlines Arena when he was with the Heat and Bosch and Wade and Ray Allen, which was, dude, Ray Allen's one of my favorite players of all time. But basically, man, I just remember him coming down the court. Uh, they were playing the Raptors. Uh, the Raptors had Ed Davis and they had oh, DeMar I mean, DeRozan. They had DeMar DeRozan. They had Lowry, I think. I mean, they were good. They were a good team. Um, I think a playoff team. This wasn't the playoffs. But LeBron comes down the court um, and he's bringing the ball up as he often does. And you, I, from my seat, I could see like how the floor was spread out. And I know enough about basketball to understand offenses and things like that. And man, he literally pointed his fingers a couple times at certain guys and got the offense moving. And you could tell he was just like three steps ahead of everybody on the court because he started the offense in motion. They swing the ball around. He gets it to the next point on the floor that he was at and he just knew and he gets it and I mean without even hesitating just whips the ball across court to Ray Allen in the corner for a three and it was the most like just it was like a symphony watching this guy man it was so on in tune with everything and it was the easiest I mean, it's like he could have done this every single time down the court and they could have scored a billion points. I mean, it was incredible just to watch the play unfold. And the only guy on the whole team that knew it were Ray Allen because he just stood stood there and he's like, I just got to stand here and I'll be in the corner where I usually am and LeBron James. Yeah, and so one thing I will say about this is when we uh, scouted LeBron and we had our game plan going into the playoffs is we were going to double. So we were coming off and we had a double guy who was coming off a certain player. LeBron had prepared for every single option. So what we realized, we got our ass kicked. And what we realized, we looked at film is like, you cannot double LeBron. He's been guarded every different way. So you send a guy at him a certain way. He knows right where to throw it. He makes all the, he makes great reads. And, uh, you know, everyone, he, he does, he gets unnecessary hate, but I mean, that could be, you know, this guy's matured a lot, but he's, you know, the way he left Cleveland wasn't ideal. Um, he tends to cry. I mean, this guy gets a lot. I mean, he gets calls. Who's getting, who's not going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt? I mean, he is the face in the NBA, one of the best players to ever play. And, you know, you're just going to get calls. That's the way it is. Yeah. And I mean, there's so much I could get into with it. Like one of the things like, uh, yeah, he definitely, I mean, again, like I'm about as big a LeBron fan as you're going to find. And I just love it when he just acts like someone literally like just took a sledgehammer and smashed it on his foot or something. It's like yelling at the ref, the all nine people and the two refs, all three refs are down on the other end. And he's still standing there with his hands out. Like, what the fuck? You know, it's like, dude, LeBron, like, come on, man. That was a, that's a reach there. But, but the one thing before I transition off of this, that I really want to talk about, about LeBron and about some of these other guys is like, and, and I'm interested to your take on it because, you know, he gets a lot of hate for being like, especially now he's sort of at, 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 uh, he's a, seems a little more comfortable with acknowledging what everyone knows, which is how good he is. Right. And you can debate, is he the greatest? Is he not? Is he top 10? Is he top two? Is he top whatever? Dude, the guy's incredible. He's a generational once in a lifetime type talent. And I'm just curious from your perspective about, you know, a lot of people get on it about that ego. Right. But in order to be, the difference between good and great, I think, is 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 a player's like ego. And that doesn't always have to come across as like acknowledging how good you are. But I'm curious from your perspective, because you're someone who, you know, I know personally as like you defer a lot of attention and it's not like you're just walking around like, you know, wanting the spotlight. But when you would go on the court, and I think this is a lot about a lot of these great players, is you have to have that mentality. I'm curious to know whether when you when you went on the court, maybe no one else knew it, but you knew nobody is fucking touching me out here. 
Yeah, and so, you know, obviously, with somebody that has LeBron's ability, uh, when I say ability, he has size, strength. I mean, you can put him anywhere on the floor, and he can make something happen. ISO, you can put him on team, do every different thing. So this guy's so talented, like – you know, he, he doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. You could point out like, well, he's not the best three-point shooter, so you kind of give him some space. But then he's so athletic, he gets you there. But I, I would say a guy like LeBron, he's confident every single time. Uh, but other guys in the NBA who don't have that talent and more rotational players, listen, they do something – Everybody in the NBA does something really well. And I will say they know how to use that to their advantage. Mm -hmm. Like when I was in the NBA, I was a very good pick and roll defender. And so I knew, you know, if the team was, you know, getting, you know, I knew I was going to go in the game to one trap uh, or um, cause some chaos. But also um, just throw bows. (laughs) Also on the block, when I was in the post, I knew. If anybody gave me my right-hand hook, I knew I could probably score on anybody in the world. And so the NBA players are smart enough that they'll realize that, hey, take away the right side. Don't let him get to his right hook. And so most NBA players that aren't LeBron, KD, and all these other guys, uh, they know what they can do on the court, and they know how to use that. And so they're confident in that way. But you won't be seeing like a Dwight Howard being super confident from the corner three or the top of the key three. But you'll see Dwight Howard being, oh, I can score on anybody in the post. Yeah, exactly. And and like what made me think of this is like my illustrious high school baseball career, right? Great segue. Um, but, you know, I, I, I thought about it. I was like, you I played high school baseball. I played baseball some in college too, but like I was very good at high school and you know, I had, I knew like when I went out and, and, and played baseball in high school, like my mentality was so far beyond reality as far as how good I, but I knew I had to have that mentality to compete. Like I feel like I go out there and I'm like, dude, I don't care if fucking Ken Griffey Jr. is stand, is, is, is in the batter's box. Like I'm going to get this guy out. Now, of course, like it's also juxtaposed against the obvious reality that no matter what I throw Ken Griffey Jr. or half the other guys in Eastern North Carolina, they're just going to rip the shit down the first baseline for a double or triple home run, whatever. You know, so I, I get it. Like I realized, but at the same time, like you had to convince yourself, like in order to be good, you had to like almost hype yourself up to, to believe that you're better than you were. And I think that the great players are the ones that do that, but they're also really that good. So that's when you get Kobe and that's when you get LeBron or MJ or Tom Brady or whoever. Um, it's just interesting that, you know, once you also get to that level and you basically acknowledge it, like people start to hate on you and say you're full of yourself. If I was LeBron James, dude, everybody in the world would know I thought I was the best player in the world because I am. Um, Another place where egos can really get the best of us. Ladies, this is what you've been waiting for. This is what the world's been waiting for. Bennett and uh, Noah. I always want to call a guy Elliot. So every time I pause, it's just because I'm trying to remember what the fuck this guy's name is. But, dude, decision came down. Um, Big Hawk was right. I mean, I would have put the house on him keeping Bennett around. I was kind of right a little bit because it looked like from the teaser that Bennett might come back. And I'm going to tell you why. Because uh, Tayshawn said that she uh, hopes she made the right decision. That was her words when when she kicked it. I mean, Bennett is a just clown. What a douchebag! All right, like, but I'm curious to get your thoughts, Big Hawk. You're the one that called it. 
Yeah, so hey, listen, I knew I know connection when I see connection. <laughs> Noah and Tasha had great connection, in my opinion. Um, I could kind of see that. Uh, you know, uh, Chris Harrison came on and said, "Hey, Tasha likes bold." Uh, you know, Noah jumped the fence and got in there with the lions, ready to fight for. Um, but uh, I will say this thing is, I was not watching uh, the Bachelorette. Um, <laughs> I was watching UNC play, so I had it on DVR, and I wanted to really dissect it. But my my mom sent me a text, and she said, Bennett is such a jerk. And all I said was like, oh, I know, Mom, but I'm not watching it. I will get to that soon. And she said, good, because I hate him. And I was like, listen, Bennett, listen, uh, he has this air about him. Oh, my God. This guy, I, you say he went to Harvard, dude. I could find him. I guarantee you could find him a place up the road. I mean, this guy's got Duke University written fucking all over him. Yeah, and his entitlement is just absolutely crazy. I mean, he did the old doopsy daisy and came back. Mm, God, what a God. I just don't understand it. And then you got these other guys. Um, I mean, it's so hard to even divert, divert. See, they're so bad. You know, this is exactly what she was all pissed about is that, like, it's all we can talk about, much less the people in the house. I mean, she's kicking people off of here left and right, you know. Um, there's roses flying everywhere. Uh, and I, I don't even know who's left. I think the. Uh, there was not a rose flying towards Noah. Mm-mm. She did. She was like, listen, this was a tough decision. She and, threw the brakes on that one. Yeah. And listen. No, that's where you put your arm around and you say, I know, baby. But, uh, you know, old Bennett, old Bennett, he, he, he did the old blindfold kiss thing the other day. And that was a, that was a red flag for me. Dude. That's where the ref comes out there and you throw the yellow flag, get them offset. One guy is already offset for, for, you know, the inappropriate trying to go at Claire in the pool area. Claire had him all confused. I thought he was trying to put it put together a jigsaw puzzle now we got Tasha messing with noah noah's listen noah's young we just got this guy off the bottle okay and so we need him to you know step into reality and listen is he serious about Tasha, or he just wanted to get off bent he just wanted to bend it off just to kind of say listen you're off i'm in here's my prediction the last two on the show somehow bennett gets back and it comes down to another showdown between Bennett and Noah, and that's the decision that gets made. I mean, everybody else is so like lame and vanilla on that show that I can't. I mean, it's hard enough for me to watch this shit. Although I will be honest, I did, I, I am getting sucked in a little bit because like just. Oh God, I I need to take a shower after I watch every episode of this shit. I want but, some mouthwash. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she needs some mouthwash. God, I hope they're, uh, hope they're, um, she needs to swish around a few before some of them, um, old, old kissing cam that she's got going on over there. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think those guys are back, and those guys are what it comes down to because the other dude, the army guy, did he stick around? Did he kick her, him off? Which who's the army? Guy? He's the dude with uh, looks like Buzz Lightyear, and uh, no, he's, Frodo, he's still in. Frodo's there. What about uh, the dude on the trampoline with the pictures and the wedding dress and all that? She's still there, right? Yeah, he's in. She kicked off. Uh, see, I don't even know these guys. I, maybe, maybe, maybe we're not. You know, sometimes we just talked about what the great ones do, and you know, sometimes maybe we just need to prepare more. The guy that went and saw Chris Harrison in the middle of the night around two a.m. had some wine with him. He's still on. That's, Listen, this guy needs to wake up and have some coffee. Uh, I don't know how he. 
he's still on. Uh, and so they did the lie detector test. And this guy lied about his damn name. And listen, I mean, I mean, the, they want to establish a baseline. You can't even get a baseline because the guy's lying about his name. Uh, hey, and, listen, though, that's pretty strategic play, though. It's like you just throw him off your scent. It's like, nah, my name's Steve, dude. I don't know who Brandon is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> joke's on you. I mean, who are you? And so uh, he came down. He said, you know, he he drew a tearful story. And, uh, you know, then Tasha, her heart felt, oh, it's okay. You know, came out and listen, Tasha, listen, this is a flag. Lied about his name. Mm. That might be a solar flare. I mean, you got to... There's red. There's more red flags in this show than the damn beach during hurricane season. I mean, I don't understand half. I just don't understand how. A. I mean, she's cool. She seems all right. I just don't see how guys are just that into her. Quite honestly. Honestly, she does not. I like. I think she looks good. I think she's better looking than Claire. I mean, I think she looks fine, but I'm like, dude, she's, I mean, everybody's giving her the benefit. Everybody I talk to, all you ladies out there that have talked to me about this, like you give her the benefit of the doubt. Like she's not crazy. Like I give her the benefit of the doubt okay, too. Cause yeah. I like Tasha. She's, uh, she's shown some signs that, that I think a lot of people are ignoring. She's shown, um, she's shown a few things to be honest with you. Her tire. Yeah. She is. Uh, yeah. She, yeah. She's not scared to a couple put it mountains out. to climb. That's yeah. the only place. Uh, yeah. I mean, so anyway, I think, uh, you know, I just would love to just say, I can't wait, but, um, you know, I don't really care. Uh, I know you guys do though. So that's why we're here. The, the other guy though, lied on the lie detector about, you know, the red flag. Have you ever cheated on oh, a, a yeah. girl? And he said the thing, sixth grade. That thing didn't even take the sec. Like the lie detector <laughs> thing lit up so fast. That shit ran out of ink. Yeah. I thought a damn, <laughs> I thought the fire department showed up the way those things were flashing. And like somebody uh, dropped a bowling ball on the table. <laughs> that thing, ding, 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 ding. And, uh, you know, this guy, this guy is uh, such a sleaze. Uh, he got on there and said, you really want know the story well hell yeah we want to know the story why That's are you why cheating? We're here and uh listen this guy cheated on some girl in sixth grade i don't buy it she bought it i don't buy it this guy is he needs to get off this show immediately i think he won't be here much longer uh and we're gonna find out i guess on tuesday and i'm telling you you heard it here first you called a spoiler alert it's such a lead pipe lock for those of you that have been following along on instagram and checking out all the pics that we get wrong uh Noah and Bennett. It's going to come down to them. Bennett's going to come back like a damn ghost. And, you know, he's going to say some dumb shit like he always does. And she's going to pick uh, Noah. And Noah's 13 years old. So when she doesn't buy him a fucking skateboard for Christmas, he's going to throw a fucking fit and they're going to get divorced. And that's just how it's going to go down. So you might as well quit watching. And we can move on to the next season, which our first request. Listen, hold on. Next week, is it a back to back? Oh, God. Is it a back-to-back Tasha, or are we doing shit. just Tasha and then to the new season? Oh, I didn't even know that. I mean, I knew the new season was coming because of our one request. I have no idea. So, listen real quick. We've got our first DM about a subject we want to talk about. Is this the first time watching The, the Bachelor slash Bachelorette? Uh, no, it's not. I'm a seasoned vet. I watch it with my mom. We discuss it. It's kind of like a bonding thing. But Sleep Dog... This is his. It's the first timer, man. This is uh, this is my inaugural uh, lap. 
I got to admit, I, I, I shit on it. A lot of you guys out there that tell me that you don't watch it, you guys are you guys are bullshitting. You ain't never had a girlfriend if you've never watched this show because I guarantee you, you've simped around a little bit and started watching it. That's how I got into it, you know, since we're all, you know, acknowledging things that, um, you know, all, all acknowledging our own faults here. Uh, that's mine. And uh, it shit ropes you in, dude. Yeah, it does rope you in. One thing I want you guys to notice, and I want you to DM us if you notice this. Does Bennett have a wobble when he walks? Like, does it look like he's going from side to side forward, or does he just walk straight forward? I just want, like, I noticed that in the last episode, and I don't know if that's, like, that's a flag for me. But I don't know if anybody else has caught that. Let me know what you think. I would love to hear your thoughts. It's it's really weird for a guy. I mean, he's making fun of uh, Noah for being so young. Listen, Bennett, those knees and hips, maybe old grandpa needs to get a little uh, a knee replacement or a hip team. replacement. I know, man. You might need an ARP card here pretty soon. How old is she? 30? 20 something? Uh, give or take. No way she goes for this guy, man. If she goes for this guy, it's over for all guys, man. Like, this guy sucks. I mean, I don't even understand. Like, you know, he's just such a douchebag. Listen, like, if you're wearing honest? a scarf with a, uh, a suit when you first get out of the car, like, if, if any of our listeners ever becomes a bachelor or a bachelorette, listen. Just tell him to go back in the car, take the scarf off, and then come back in, or just say you're not getting the rose. Or just send him home. I mean, send right? Him, yeah, that would send be him home. you want some drama. Just like throw an extra guy in the in the in the limo, so that when as soon as he steps out, just like uh uh-uh. uh. Now I, I look. I know by looking at you, I don't fucking trust you. Get out of here. Like that's the type of shit that's real, right? Like oh no, nah, I'm gonna keep all these dudes around and get to know him. Like dude, we've talked about it. Today's world, it is window shopping here. So like I know from the jump whether or not I want to talk to you. And if you look like this guy, I don't want to talk to you, period. Like if you're, yeah, I mean, I'm a guy, so I don't want to like talk to him like that anyway, but you know, whatever floats your boat. Um, so yeah, we're going to find out on Tuesday. I think a lot of things and including whether or not the regular bachelor starts. And, uh, if one understand this dude's from, uh, Raleigh, right. That's, that's the word on the street. This, listen, this guy's from Raleigh, uh, local, um, should we find some dirt on this dude? Dude, should we get it? Oh, we should find his ex-girlfriend somewhere or man, just bring him on the show. Why wouldn't, uh, well, he probably can't say anything until it's over, but yeah, we should find some exes on this guy. So if any of y'all know anyone that's dated this guy, um, we want a bounty on him. We want him on the show uh, because we want, along with the Sleephawk Nation, to get to the bottom of this guy. We want to find out if he's really in it for love, if he's going to you know, um, be vulnerable. Uh, or if he's just out here playing the field, trying yeah. to trying to trying to um, enhance his brand. Yeah, we want the flaws and all. I mean, we want it all. Uh, I want to know: is this guy serious about love? I mean, did he come on to find his wife? All I've heard about is all oh, this guy's. The expectations on this guy are bigger than twenty twenty one. This guy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this guy. This guy. Every girl's like goo goo gaga over him, and I'm trying to figure out. Okay, well, I mean, why? I mean, what are you drooling over? I feel like I look better than that guy. I, I would agree. No, thank you. And yeah, we're going to find out. I mean, the best part about these, these shows is uh, they always got their makeup on, you know, but he doesn't really bring much to the table for me. He's like some sort of football player on special teams for the uh, Arena Football League or some shit like that. I mean, that's like do much for me. On arena. What is that? Like, if you play like a recreational sport now, is it Arena Football? <laughs> hey, listen, I played flag football in my backyard. One of my former professional football players. I played player for now. Mississippi Mud Moths. Like, they always got some weird ass name like that but yeah i mean i don't know man we'll, we're gonna find out i mean all these girls are gonna be uh my what i'm what i'm fascinated by 
what, what I can't wait is the job titles for the women. I mean, how many yoga teachers, how many fucking paddleboard instructors, how many Instagram models? I mean, probably it's going to be about, I mean, I don't know how many are on there, like 20. I guarantee you got at least seven Instagram models. You're going to have, um, you're going to have, and here's guaranteed. If you got a hairstylist, she's going to be crazy. If you got a girl named Tiffany, she's going to be crazy. If you got a nurse practitioner, she's going to be, if you got a dental hygienist, like those are about four things to just be on the lookout for and jot that down in your, uh, in your bachelor notebook. Those are your lead pipe locks. So keep those in mind. Cause you're going to have, um, or anybody that has a name with like a two straight vowels in it. I mean, these are just like tried and true. It's like a horoscope. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you might not believe it until you see the result, but I can't wait for that part of it. I want to add, if you see a flight attendant, same category. Yeah. And I, I don't want to stereotype everybody. Um, but one thing I will say is I'm really looking forward to the introductions and the first impression, uh, with this new bachelor. Um, and I'm really looking for a new crop of like, listen, people to find love. Okay. That's what we're about. Well, like this, this is a show. This is like a classy show that where people really pour their heart out, make themselves vulnerable. I mean, listen, the, this is what I like about the bachelor is you have a group of women and it seems like the bachelorette, it's like the, the men are more emotional than the women. Oh yeah. And I've, I've seen more dudes on here cry. The one guy shouting at the mountains, letting his feelings out, then walking out, can't deal with it, is distraught that Claire's gone. Uh, the girls aren't like that. And I also think the girls, I think they're, I mean, I think they're a little like, I mean, it's, they can be relentless with each other. I mean, some of the things they can do is. I cannot, I'll be honest, okay? Like the reason I agreed to sort of start watching this and we sort of slipped into uh slipped into bachelorette coming hey listen man sometimes you know the stars just align you find out you're great at something and it just so happens that we're great at covering the bachelorette i think we're gonna be even i think we'll be the lebron james of bachelor coverage because that's really where we're gonna just hit our stride all these women and one guy i mean we're really gonna give you ladies the perspective that you need and listen, we're looking for somebody out there, you know, dirt, or maybe we bring somebody on here to give the women's perspective about what's going on. What is she thinking? Because as guys, we may think differently. Like, what is this dude really looking for? Like, is, I mean, what does he want in a girl? Does he, you know, want somebody that's strong, independent, great job? Or does he just looking for, you know, a great connection? We're flight attendant. Yeah, we're flight attendant. Yeah. You know, get the freaking fire bomb. Yeah, right. Listen, man, there's uh, there's something out there for everybody. And, uh, you know, we're going to find out what that is. I'm still next trying week. to get the companion pass on Southwest. So, um I'm still working my ways up on miles. <laughs> well, look, everybody, we got a lot that we've gone over today. Uh, we wanted to get into some Christmas stuff, uh, uh, find out what we got, but we're going we're gonna to tease that one for the next episode along with a few other things. Uh, again, hit us up. We're on Instagram. Uh, we're never on Twitter, but yeah, I mean, we would be if anybody ever, I think we got two followers and one of them is me. Uh, another one is not the Big Hawk. Uh, we'll get into that later. Uh, we got our man Sheed out there. Uh, mastermind sleet sheet the prez just giving you lead pipe locks once a week pick of the week you want my advice on what he says probably take it 
pick the opposite. You'll wind up in a better place. You got me giving you daily football lineups. Uh, if you want to be on the outside looking in, pick them. Uh, and, you know, we're going to keep feeding you content here. You got to tell us what you want. You got to tell us what you need. We've got a lot of women in here. They're like trying to, they're clamoring for a position uh, to cover some of the, uh, some of the more uh, feminine aspects of some of our coverage here. We're open to it. Uh, but we appreciate you listening. Yeah, big dog out. We got a lot to cover next week. Really looking forward to the Bachelor and Bachelorette uh, um, coverage. All right, Sleep Hawk Nation. Catch you next week. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleep Hawk Worldwide Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Staten, along with the big hope what's up shww it is the big dog we got a lot of topic to cover tonight really looking forward to this episode so a lot of you have been asking that's kind of our new thing right we started to realize with some of our uh some of our girlfriends and friends and that are females and mainly those are girlfriends of other friends that are males um how all these girls get on instagram all the time and they're like you know so i know a lot of you've been asking when we all know that no one's been asking right so uh I know a lot of you guys have been asking when the next episode is coming out, and here it is. Uh, there's actually one, as I mentioned in our story earlier, been sitting on my desk for about two weeks. Look, you know what you're getting when you signed up for this. Uh, reliability wasn't one of them. Uh, great content was, so I promise it'll be worth the wait. It will not be relevant. Um, but based on the metrics, nobody's really listening as soon as we post them anyway. So it's coming, but this one's good. This one's definitely going to be good. We're going to talk about The Bachelorette. Uh, how it just let America down. We're going to talk about the Tar Heels, how they let Sleephawk Nation and Tar Heel Nation down. Uh, we're going to talk about me almost having a hole-in-one today. Um, and then we're going to really focus in on The Bachelor, right? Because we've been talking all this shit about The Bachelorette. But I don't know who saw the trailer last night. I mean, dude, there's more tears than kindergarten playground coming right around the corner. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be heavy drama. And... Uh we're gonna it, it, whether his name's Matt, Mike, Michael, John, Mark. I wish whatever it were they Mike. call him Matthew. I wish it were Mike because then you could do the whole Mike Jones, Mike, Mike James. Yeah, but Matt James. I mean, I'll probably do it anyway. We're gonna find out what this guy's about. He's local. Um, ain't nobody heard of him until he went on The Bachelor. So we're gonna have to do some digging, and we're gonna have to be like, uh, yeah, this is a guy that went on The Bachelor and is trying to find love. And let's be honest. If you're somebody of somebody, you don't need a TV show to find love. So this guy's local. We'll dig some dirt up and we'll bring it to to you guys and you guys will help. You guys will hear it first. Yeah. And the best thing I think about this guy is um, like in the teasers, like I never fell. I've never been in love before. Like, okay, Tonto. Like I could say that too. We all could say that. Right. But it's not true. You know, you know that in like your sophomore year of high school, you were in love with some girl that's, you know, reasonably probably overweight now or uh, maybe has a um, substance abuse problem, you know, yeah. or, or, or maybe just was, was way out of your league and, and is now married or like a Instagram model or something. And you knew then what you know now, which was that you missed an opportunity. But Dude, don't don't give me that bullshit. Like this guy's like almost 32, 30 as well, right? Yeah, give us a fucking break. Yeah. I mean, we're vets. I mean, I've been in love. 
um, yeah, we've all been in love. Uh, love is love. And uh, does love have a definition? Is how is love defined? That's one thing. Uh, some people fall in love at the depths of the of the night uh, at top of the hill. Uh, some people fall in love after <laughs> players dance club. Yeah, players dance club. La Res. Um, listen, if you fall in love at P Bob's and. This that ain't, ain't love. Yeah, that's not love, bub. Yeah, that um, is not love, bub. You know, one thing that either was, you know, speaking of it is so so for those of you who are been hiding under a rock the last, you know, two months, I've never watched this Bachelor Bachelorette thing. I get them confused. I miss their names a lot. Um, because there's so many to remember. Um But I didn't realize that like the whole thing ended with like you got to get engaged or else and it's like i mean come on dude this stuff is like i see why people are drawn to it i'm not gonna lie at this point given just i mean you know the resounding feedback we've gotten from our audience which is just hey we want more of this coverage uh you know it's hard not to get into it but i just don't understand so 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 fucking dumb but i am looking forward very much to the bachelor part because i mean this shit is going to be buck wild. Yeah. And you bring up a good point is, I mean, it kind of feels forced if they have to get engaged, um, at the end of it. Um, I don't, I'm not sure why they thought that was a good idea. Um, but, uh, it's also a way to get a, a ring for a girl. So Neil Lane, you get those at K jewelers or something. So, you know, one of the things that I'm like going on in my brain right now, which totally has nothing to do with anything is like the sound is kind of like up and down here. So, you know, we're going to try to fix that. But if you're listening and you're like, Hey man, sound sucks. That's because, uh, we caught a bottle of stag junior in the, uh, Wake County, uh, Christmas distribution. We're about elbow deep in that thing right now. Not really 100% sure uh, if both one or both of us will still be awake by the time we're done with this. Not sure if we've got the settings right since every single time we do this, we basically start from scratch. Um, one thing I do know is we just got hard hitting coverage, you know, and and we're going to we're going to dive a little more into this whole uh, Zach thing, man. Like, all right. So, you know, to go backwards. Yeah, give myself a little pound on the back here. When I first saw these, the one of my favorite things the whole show is people's fucking job titles. Like, dude, this guy's an Orkin man, and it says he's like a, uh, I don't even know, a zookeeper or some shit. But but I, as soon as I saw this dude was like a uh, addiction counselor or specialist or something, I was like, I've seen those commercials with the dude down in Florida who started his own like recovery clinic. Because he was an addict. And I was like, this guy's an addict himself. Right. So, so like more power to this guy. Like we're not trying to rag him for, you know, cool. It's great that he's recovered and all this sort of stuff. But it's like, dude, you go on the bachelor, right? Like you can find that guy, you know, working at a landscaping job in your hometown. Like you're going on the bachelor in front of God and everybody. You got all this money. You got all these clothes. You got all this jewelry. You got all this, all this everything. And this is who you come up with. I don't know. I just didn't like the pick, man. Yeah, and we are on the stag tonight. And if you can get a bottle of stag, hit us up in the DMs. We'll uh, we'll come meet you. But stag is very good and very special to me and sleep. But I will say, Zach, um, I don't know. It's like uh, I felt confident about Zach. I thought he was good. And then this episode where he met Tasha's parents, 
it, it seemed like he was he was different. It wasn't like uh, it was like who is this guy? He felt like overconfident. And then when he was talking with um, with Tasha's dad about he has set the bar so high, it was almost like um, kind of make him feel good talk instead of being truthful and really pouring out his feelings about. Tasha is more about how he can take care of Tasha and how these expectations. It never was about like, you know, what I really love about your daughter, why we're great. It's more about like, it almost felt like he was trying to take care of some old ass lady and like, this is what we're going to do. No, but that's not love. Like, what do you guys do? And then like the whole, hey, we're going to get some paint and then paint our bodies and roll around and look like a damn rainbow and then take a shower, and have a damn kiss-a-thon. Listen, in real life, real shit happens. And that's the one thing about the whole bachelor, bachelorette bubble. Like they don't do real life shit. And so I kind of feel like the engagement at the end, I'm not really sure that's that's realistic because they haven't been outside that little bachelor, bachelorette bubble. And I'm not just talking about like a COVID bubble to separate themselves. I'm talking about real life situations. And that's he, like he didn't mention real life situations with her dad. And I think that's where uh, Zach went wrong. Not to mention that, you know, good for him to be an open about his addiction problems and coming back and sobriety and things like that but um that's that's great but you know it is worrisome like how did you get to that place and why would you put yourself back in this situation where you know a lot of people are going to be drinking uh once you're off the sauce or whatever he was on can you have a casual drink or not yeah, and, and I think that brings me to one thing I did think of where I give the guy, because, like, I mean, you know, joke around about this, and obviously it's a serious issue. I just think that The Bachelor is not the platform, right? Like, so if you want me to be, like, politically correct about, you know, um, caring about this guy, like, okay, give it to me in a different medium, right? This is The Bachelor, man. I'm here to just let my mind turn into a dumpster fire right i don't care about like what's right and wrong here because there's so many things wrong with this tv show and the people that watch it you know i could go on and on but yeah i mean the dad was it was just so weird dude it's like that was a that was a good point about um (laughs) man i mean i get that it's covid and you mentioned the bubble thing like like where they bake up all these dates where like this dude like makes a cardboard taxi cab and this that and the other like I'd go the fuck home before I did any of that shit on national TV. I mean, my if these guys got any boys, any homies, they're gone after this, dude. I mean, my guys would absolutely lambaste me if I were caught in some of those situations on television. Forget the love thing. That would be one thing. But the just the compromising situations for these guys is like own pride out the window. Could you imagine? Could you imagine what would take place in the antibodies group text, which contains myself, Big Hawk, our John, our boy John Claude Tandan, Mastermind, aka She the Prez, and Cam. Could you imagine the shit that would go back and forth if one of us were on this TV show, dude? No, I can't. Um that kind of seems like force, and we call we call Zach the car salesman because when he was talking with her dad, it almost felt like he was like patting the dad on the back, saying, "Job well done, you've been such a good dad." You don't know that. 
like you, you don't know like let her dad talk and explain what he wants in in you for his daughter and you know setting the bar so high and kind of you know building him up as such a great person when you barely met this guy that's why we call him a car salesman uh Zach doesn't know uh, Tasha's dad, um, but uh, I guess he's relying off of what Tasha has told Zach. I'm not really sure, but the one guy I can't think of his name. Um, the one guy that was just like when Tasha uh, brought out the rings on him for that date. I think he was like, "Whoa, um, pump the brakes, <laughs> Brandon." Yeah, it's, it's almost like he didn't look at the manual before. He's like. <laughs> It's like what, he didn't what, read the contract. Hey, so uh, what is this? And uh, oh yeah, at the end of this, we're supposed to get engaged. And then it was like a bell went. I was like, "Listen, I've been down this path before." And it's like, uh, "Yeah, uh, no." And it was uh, it was like the realest moment of the whole Bachelorette. And you know, respect to that guy for coming out there and just hitting it on. He's like, "Man, I'm throwing the towel." Like what the hell am I doing? Like, this is a cool little thing to get out of COVID quarantine. Uh, we've all done some stupid shit, but he's about to enter a, a whole new world. When he goes home back to his boys, they're going to just roast his ass forever. And I bet he's going to get like, I mean, he's going to get some hangers on, man. The dude is famous now. I don't pay attention to how many guys, women, when all this stuff we got on Instagram, but I'm sure his, uh, you know, I'm sure you got a boost in certain categories. I just think the whole show is just ridiculous. Of course, they take the opposite approach that you get here at Sleephawk Worldwide, which is I'm sure they chop it up. They edit it, chopped and screwed. Uh, you don't get that with us, mainly because we don't know how. So, you know, <laughs> if it's good, it's good. When it's good, it's good. But when it's bad, it, it is what it is, you know, And uh, but it's real. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you're going to get from Tayshawn and uh, old old Zachariah, uh, include up to and including whether or not he actually cheated on somebody since the sixth grade. Nobody believes that. We got a gaggle of women watching the show. Nobody's buying it. He didn't broach that topic with old old Papa. Uh, he didn't talk about the booger sugar with old Papa. He just sat there and was talking about all this uh, 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 Romeo and Juliet shit. And I'm like, dude, if her dad can't see through this bullshit. Well, then shame on him, man. I'd be sitting there like I'd be asking some real questions. No, I think his dad did. That's why his dad came to. Yeah, that's uh, true. You just say that. Taste your own, and was like, "Hey, listen, <laughs> uh, we've seen you go down this path again. Let's pump the brakes." I just, I feel like this is a bad batch, and the guys to me were so damn stupid God. because Zach thought he was just gonna pr- prance right on in there, and you know. Um, compliment the dad to love and then the other guy the big dumbass that looks like a dwarf what's his name uh ben ben yeah uh ben uh looks like buzz light that was yeah. dan's john claude's buzz light your call a great one also uh life-size dwarf yep that was savita yeah um, yeah that definitely was but uh, this 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 damn idiot doesn't know how to express his feelings. It's almost like we have some dumbass back in second grade that doesn't know how to like. I don't know how I feel. What if I don't tell her? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, what? you're not going to, buddy. You're in the backseat of a suburban, headed to LAX, bud. Your clothes are still in the suitcase in your damn La Quinta Inn uh, single bedroom. Uh, you know. Oh my god. Th- listen, this is the guy that probably. 
pissed on the toilet seat, toilet seat until he's about 21. And then somebody said, why don't you just lift that thing up? And he's like, oh, you lift it up. <laughs> yeah, bud, you can lift it up. And uh, he lifted it up. And it was almost like, oh, man, how you doing? And so he just popped up out of nowhere and was like, like old, you know, the old two o'clock in the morning trip. Knock, knock. Who's yeah, how there? many guys are just going to show up? Like, they all break the rules. It's like, all right, just don't leave. Like, kick me off the show. Like, I'm I'm like the fucking ghost of Christmas past. I'm going to be back every fucking episode. <laughs> hey, man, I flew back to Cleveland, um, but I hopped on a Greyhound and rode it back, and I just got back. You know, oh, you kicked me off. You sent me home again. Well, guess what? I brought my own bag of roses this time. So here's an extra one, one for everybody. Keep me here. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to make up the rules as I go along. It's kind of like old Hulu out there shooting a 65. It's like, hey, the rules only apply to me how I see fit. And uh, that's the problem with The Bachelorette mm-hmm. uh, and why I'm looking forward to The Bachelor because I feel like when you go into The Bachelor, it's just like the lion's den, man, like a cat nest. You just already know that there are no rules. And and I'm not trying to be sexist. I'm not because I think I'm just more drawn to the fact that there is a one guy and many girls. I don't know if that's because I feel like maybe I can relate to it better or – because I've just never really been in a situation where like I'm openly competing with other guys that I'm aware of for the same woman. And, and, and likewise women have probably been in this or can relate to what I'm trying to say on the other side, which is that I have, you know, you grow up, you go to college, whatever you feel like you've got like your one guy assessing what your options are. Just like Tasha feels like she's the one girl assessing what her options are. And girls can probably relate to that one. Well, this is the one I feel like as a guy, you're going to understand. And I just cannot, I'm going to be Walter Cronkite of breaking down the fucking bachelor. It's going to be, I'm really looking forward to it too. But the one thing that I will say, um, is girls, you know, and I'm not making like a general statement. Things can get a little more emotional and girls don't let like, yeah, that women, is not a general can, statement at all. That is a very direct statement. Big Hawk. Yeah. Well, it could be. Like, Listen guys, I'm trying to be as sensitive as I possibly can be with being direct as possibly as I can be. Listen, this is going to be emotional. This is going to be drama. They do not let that go. They hang on to grudges for a long time. And I'm really looking forward to this. And I really don't like this guy from the get. The reason I don't like this guy is because I have to hear like so many girls say, oh, he's so attractive. And I'm like, what are you looking at? Which one are you? Listen, this guy better bring the damn heat. Okay. I want to see something special. And then they cut to the a short clip of him just crying his damn eyes out. He looks like Squidward. I never watched SpongeBob. Shout out to L Fox. Got to say it. Got to give credit where credit's due. Um, but she called it while we were watching the other night. And uh, yeah, I mean, the dude looks like Squidward. He's the dude with the blue dude with the big nose. Um, you look at it, you won't unsee it. For uh, uh, spoiler alert, I should have should let you know. <laughs> Probably just ruined it for you, all ladies, all the ladies out there. I know Savita was, uh, you know, she's got some. Mm, I don't know, Big Hawk man, she got some questionable taste in some of these dudes sometimes. But hey, listen, I know she's kind hearted. I know that's what we're going to write well. that up. She does, she does, she does. Um, so just the Bachelor is just, I mean, and we're doing the ladies a service because probably the only people that ever tell us jack shit about this. 
podcast are the women and they love the fact that we talk and by women, I mean our girlfriends and like my our mom, friends, girlfriends. She's, a, she's really into the bachelor and bachelorette. hundred percent. She said Bennett is such a jerk and she texts me during the episode. She hated that Harvard guy that, um, who didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So my mom's really into him too. And she listens and she gives us feedback too. And she really likes the, uh, the podcast. Yeah. She ain't going to put, uh, or, uh, they ain't going to put that guy on the, on the recruiting brochure. Uh, but if you didn't notice, like what we've done here is we were led with what the people want, which is our, our, our coverage of this. Right. So if this is dragging on a little bit, it's cause we don't really give a shit, but we do have an opinion. Our opinion matters. Our opinion is, is relevant, extraordinarily relevant in the national conversation. Um, so you got it from us. I got, I got one thing that the bachelor and bachelorette should do, and this will know if they're serious, get legally married at the end, have the ceremony on TV, make them get married. We'll see who wants love. That's right. Let Elvis do it too. Nah, you got, you know, let's let's bring a, bring an ordained, uh, cardinal in there let him let him do it in the eyes of the lord right in front of god and everybody i'm with you big hawk but what else happened right in front of god and everybody is the tar heels just oh god dude they can't throw the ball in the ocean uh so obviously leading up to the to the bachelorette last night that national disappointment was uh <laughs> was a, a more localized disappointment which was watching the tar heels lose to the wolf pack you just can't stand it you can't you can't you hate to see it i mean you know eventually these guys gotta win at some point otherwise why do we even play anymore uh kevin keats is wearing gucci adidas like that's like dropping i don't even know man like a bag of menta or a thing of mentos into like a soda bottle and shaking it up and just throwing it up in the air and just oh my god this is a total disaster um and and it make matters worse that's i think the thing that gets me is we lost to a team whose head coach was wearing a gucci adidas last night and, and you know they say state is like all these farmers and all this stuff and you got your head coach out there and some gucci gucci adidas um yeah man it was a tough night and uh you know, you play enough, you, you can't win them all. And we're definitely proving that it wasn't a good one for us. Um, State has their national championship. Um, I don't know if they're going to hang a banner over there, but uh, congrats. Hopefully that guy's taking his shoes off. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully uh, maybe he's, uh, I don't know. That That's what a hell of a recruiting tool. You know, Roy's over here in some just straight up university blue Jordan ones. And this guy's got on, they look like he bought them from the flea market. They look like they were too big. Um, so anyway, man, just bad game. I felt it was, you know, we did the classic. Let's get down 15, 16 points. Let's try to shoot our way out of it. We can't shoot. I think we made two threes. Uh, like we didn't in the, in the, in the final, somehow we still had a chance to tie the game. And those shots were so bad. Like it would, didn't even, you know, I mean, anyway, whatever. Like we, we, we kind of go in. We talked about it already. Like we think we're going to be good. We got kind of low expectations of whatever's going on this year. But um, you know, coming off last year, we're definitely a better team. You hate to lose a first ACC game. You hate to lose two state. You hate to lose at state. You hate to lose on the moon if you're playing those guys. I didn't see anything from those guys that impressed me. It was just more of like 
you know, these guys are shooting 62% to start the game. That happens. We were shooting 50%, which is great and fine. You know, we're playing okay. Um, obviously, not a lot of defense, but even if the team's not even – I mean, these guys can't even stand there and shoot around and shoot 62%. So you knew that was going to cool off. We'll make a run in the second half. Problem is, we just cannot shoot the ball, T. Like, we can't shoot. If Playtech is your score, is your outside shooter, it's going to be a long season, dude, in my opinion. Yeah, and it almost seems like we're trying to force shots, to be honest with you. Sometimes a lot of those shots don't look natural because it doesn't come out of the flow of the game. And you got guys trying to make a statement. But the one thing I will say is we saw a run towards the end of the game that, you know, we keep seeing these spurts from this team. Like you saw it in the beginning of the second half against Iowa. Then you saw it late last night against State. And they've shown it in some other games. But the, like I said early on, this is a sign of a young team. You got a couple young guys, uh, Caleb and RJ, who are going to be really good and pretty talented. But once they get more acclimated and more comfortable, and then you got Dayron, and I do think Walker Kessler is going to be a hell of a player, and he's going to bring a lot. But it's going to take a while for these guys to get going. And once they do get going, it's really going to click. I think we're going to be a second half of the year team. Um, I really hope so. I hope they can figure it out. Um, I will say Playtech has been playing better. And I don't think he's met the expectations that he's put on himself. But not to put pressure on him or to make him feel bad, but I I feel like he's playing with more emotion. And one thing that I do like to see is I want to see more emotion out of the guys. I I want to see him really involved in the game. And whenever that happens and the game looks fun, uh, then those simple things like hitting open shots, getting ball movement, starting to run the floor, getting easy buckets, it makes the game easy. Instead of just starting off the game and trying to make threes, if you make an easy shot, get an easy layup going, get your confidence, then those other things will take care of themselves. And also I will say one other thing is – and I've heard Jay Billis talk about this when I watch the games. Um, is there so much more to the game of basketball than scoring? If you're not scoring, um, I see this a lot in young players. Play good defense, get rebounds, uh, make assists, be the best defender. Um, so many young kids now get discouraged when they can't score that it affects other other things in the game. And there's so much more to basketball than just scoring. And I think once these young guys and some of these older guys play with more emotion, start doing the small things, start doing the effort plays, uh, I think we're going to see some wins. Yeah, and I think that's the part that kind of – you're right about play tech. <clears throat> I think he's an easy guy to – to pile on, but, uh, you know, he's the guy that's like really seems to be playing with any sort of emotion. And you see, you know, one of the things I I noticed about Caleb love and I think RJ Davis is, um, you know, I've seen, I, I know I've seen Caleb love on the floor a lot. You know, you love to see that, right? Uh, Kessler's going to be a great player. Dayron Sharp is already, I think, a great player. Baycott is playing well. Garrison Brooks, I think the pressure of this ACC player of the year, preseason uh, 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 player of the year designation is clearly weighing on him. But I think what I'm eager or anxious to see is like, can we start a game on one of those runs? And then how do we react, right? Like, when do we get to a point where, you know, even if it's just accidental, right? Like you play defense in the early part of the game and instead of getting down 16 and going on a 20 to four run, go on a 20 to four run when the game is, when it's 
you know, seven to five, you know, and then see what happens right now. Cause I mean, there's, you know, so much of this is like, can we play from behind? Well, then the other piece of that is like, all right, when we have a lead, are we going to be able to, to maintain it? You know, cause we've seen some teams, that's what was a real problem for us last year is we would be up by double digits in the second half and freak the fuck out and couldn't finish. Yeah. And you know, actually I heard Mac Brown talk about sometime in halftime, we don't handle success. Well, that's what he said about the football team. And I thought that was a pretty good statement. And maybe this team doesn't handle success or they need to get behind um, to really play good and start concentrating. But one thing I will say about Garrison is I went through this after my freshman years where you get so much hype and so much uh, into the game that um, you kind of – teams get a scouting report on you um, and you almost – you almost buy into the hype. And one thing is when, you know, Garrison's had some good years, but I don't think last year, I think coming off last year, I don't think he's got the hype preseason wise as he's had before. And the one thing that when you get this hype and I was like this is you better be ready to show up because every team, if you're the preseason ACC player of the year uh, pick, then you're going to be on everybody's radar. And so you're going to have to earn everything. Nobody's going to give you anything. And that's where I think Garrison, and I struggled with this after my freshman year, is I think this is where Garrison's going to have to do a few different things. And also, I think, you know, you miss a shot, so what? Um I think Coach Williams is going to give you, you know, some leeway here. You're you're a leader of the team. You're one of our best players. Um, I think you're you can make mistakes. Nobody's perfect, but I think you're going to have to earn everything from here on out. Yeah, and I think it seems like, and I don't know any of the guys. You obviously know all of them. You know, Coach, you know, staff, you know, everybody. It seems for from a fan, I guess, perspective that. Like Garrison Brooks is one of my favorite players on the team. He's like a likable guy. He he was our salvation last year. And I don't forget things like that, right? Like, I mean, he was a bright spot in a team that was otherwise had none, really. You can talk about Cole Anthony all you want. But Garrison was was the best player on the team. And um, you know, I, I think that it seems like he just lack he looks like he lacks confidence. And I don't know if he does or doesn't, but he he looks like it. And, you know, part of it is like, I think he, I want to see him just like get this mentality where it's like, Hey dude, I'm going to go out and I'm going to eat every game. And like, yeah, somebody stops me fine, but like, it's just going to, it doesn't, it seems like every game is, is just a game. And it's almost like, it's like groundhog day for him. Like he comes out and it's as if this pressure or, or whatever is like holding him down it, it, it just recycles itself every game. And he starts the same games, the same ways where he gets, misses a couple shots and it just really seems to affect him and he can't, you know, work his way out of it. And, you know, maybe some of that is, is, is they got to draw up some plays to get him some easy buckets. You know, he had a couple dunks and stuff like that. Um, but the thing that, the thing that tells me that he's missing that, that he's lacking that confidence right now is it's not just scoring is what you just said a minute ago. He's not grabbing 10 boards. He's not grabbing 12 boards. He's getting like four boards. And like, he's the kind of guy, like, 
that's a hustle thing. You know, that's a, Hey, I want it. And, and I'm not saying he's not hustling. I'm not saying, you know, these aren't negative things I'm saying. I'm saying that like, you know, when you, when you're sort of down on yourself, it drags you down in all facets of the game. And if you're not scoring to your point, get 20 fucking rebounds. Yeah, I agree with you. And the hardest thing in, in, in sport to me is, and a lot of people never get this, is the mental game. And what I mean by the mental game is the best, to me, The if you look at Kobe Bryant, and uh, I know no one, listen, no one in college has a talent level that Kobe Bryant had. They don't have the ability they have. I'm just using him as an example. Um, the best part about Kobe's game and his talent was his mental game. And what I mean by that, Kobe could miss 15 shots in a row. The game's on the line. He was over 15 that game. He's taking that last shot, and he's going to shoot it with confidence, and he thinks he's going to make that. Now, young players, this is the toughest thing to develop, is to block out those two easy misses you had and not let it affect you on your your third shot. You missed two layups in a row. Don't let that affect you on your third shot. Next play, best play, regardless of what happens on the last possession. And that's hard for any player to grasp, and especially now because guys put so much pressure on themselves to score and do certain things. And it's almost like they try to play a perfect game, and when you do that, um, you get so upset about making an easy mistake that it starts affecting everything else. And, you know, it takes away from the emotion. It takes away from the sincerity of the game. And one of my favorite sayings that Coach Williams says, you know, about almost before every game is lose yourself in the game. And to me what that means is basically – Get lost in the game. Don't worry about other things. Do what you have to do for us to win. And when you make winning plays, that shows up on the stat sheet. You know, it's funny because as you're talking through this, like I'm like closing my eyes and just envisioning myself on the golf course. And I feel like that's literally what MM has, has been well chronicled here. Uh, and as we'll get into, I think more in a minute, like I'm, I'm not a good golfer, um, but those are the problems that I have, right? I miss a shot. I'm worried about the shot that I missed in the past instead of the next one. And and I think that's that what you just said is something that every average Joe athlete can relate to that plays golf. Um, you know, or, you know, probably obviously probably any other sport. And like I think that mentality is like I think I talked about this also in a previous pod and it's laughable like to inject myself into a conversation about athletes because I'm not one. Um, but like in high school, like that was, I was a pretty good baseball player in high school. I played junior college and all that. And, you know, like I said, no, it went nowhere. But even at that age, like it would, the one way that I was any good was like in my own mind, you could not convince me that I wasn't. Right. And I knew, I mean, I, I had that juxtaposed my own brain against the fact like, all right, dude, you're not like, there's like, it's like you're, you'll have two personalities. Like you, you walk on the court and Garrison Brooks has to think he's Rashid Wallace, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, like just all rolled into one. Every player should feel like that. And of course, like, I mean, Andrew Playtech should walk on the floor and be like, if JJ Redick walked out here, I would eat his lunch. Right. Of course, that's not going to happen. But literally, you have to convince yourself. That when you are between those lines, like that's got to be your mentality. And I think that's the people that that become good and the people that become great 
are the ones where they not only have that mentality, but it's also true. And you see a lot of this progression with like LeBron James. It was the same problem that, that, that people had with him early on was, you know, he would defer a lot in key situations. And everyone thought that, you know, there's this big argument whether or not he was scared to take the last shot or whether, you know, he would always lean back on, Hey, I'm a facilitator. I like going to find the open man and this, that, and the other. I think the truth was somewhere in the middle, but now you look at LeBron James and like two or three years ago, when I think they were down like three, one, I think this was when they were down three, one to, to golden state. It might've been a different series, but like someone asked him if he was worried or whatever, and he was like, "No, I'm the best player in the world." And like that was the that was the moment where you realize LeBron's turned the corner. And this is a, <laughs> these kids aren't LeBron James either, right? But like you got to believe in yourself, I guess is the easiest way to say this. And until they do, uh, I don't see a way out of sort of this rut we're in. Yeah, you brought up LeBron James, and uh, he, he, one thing that LeBron. I think he's grown as a player so much. In his early years, when he left uh, Cleveland and went to South Beach, went to Miami, um, if you looked at him in the early years, the first four or five years or whatever, for Cleveland, pre-Miami, he cared what people thought. When he went to Miami, he didn't give a fuck. Like, he does not. I don't care. I'm LeBron James. Yeah. I'm the best player in the world. If I miss a shot, so what? Yeah. And that attitude is what makes people players great. And uh, I think the same thing with Tiger Woods on the golf course. And, you know, it's funny you said because when you when I started talking about lose yourself in the game, don't let one shot ruin your next shot. And, you know, that's why I love golf is because – you know, you could have an eight on a hole and, you know, but if you just play smart and don't let one duff mess up your whole round, it's totally different if you stay. It's such a mental game. Oh, that's it. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I definitely don't really apply that rule very, very often. However, today, so here's like golden rule for me playing golf is if I haven't played golf in some period of time, i.e. if I've forgotten all of the just batshit crazy things that go through my head before, not every round, not every hole, every shot. I'm talking like every swing down to practice swings. I can get that stuff out of my head and I go out there and like, even if I don't play that great, like I have a good time. Like today I went out, I played at Lonnie Pool, which is a local course, very good course. I think I probably shot 43, 44, played for the white tees, which are way up. I mean, probably like, you know, I don't know, 3,300 yards or something for this whole thing. But on the, no, 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 I can't, I could not have shot. I, I probably was on pace to shoot that, I should say, because we left after 15 because it was like, dude, is, oh my God, the people out there, um, it's just NC State just personified on that golf course. Um, so, uh, 14th hole is a par three there. Um, dude, I flushed it. I put it on the, on the story on IG to all you, uh, 11 people out there that follow us on the gram and are also listening, uh, just straight loyal followers. Appreciate you. Dude. I almost had a hole in one, man. I mean, it was, it was, a, it was just outside the grip um, and I, I mean, I don't think I've ever come that close to hole in one in my life. And then that would have meant that you had an ace 
They had the like shallow cups, so this would have been a hole in one. Could have, would have, should. This is what golf is all about is what almost happened or what could have happened if you hit the ball straight or what could have happened if you didn't have three doubles or and two triples. If the ball had rolled a few more times in the direction of the cup, the Sleephawk worldwide hosts would each own um, effectively a hole in one. And yeah. I mean... I, I was, put that shit up against any other podcast. I was ready to welcome you to the club. And, uh, you know, it would have been nice for us both to have a, an ace. And I think you're on your way. You're you're pretty close. Because um, then we could have talked a little shit to Cam. Like, uh, listen, Cam, you'll never have a hole in one. Why? On because watch. you take golf too much, too seriously. Yeah. We don't. And we have a switch. You don't. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm looking. Your, your day's coming. It's, it is. It's in the works. It's soon. I hope, I hope I'm with you and too. And instead, oh God, I hope I hope uh, I hope Ohulu's with us. And instead, it's I mean I get that it's the night before it's it's Christmas Eve Eve, which I know like is like it seems like something white people would create as a holiday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know it is a Wednesday nonetheless. And uh, instead of uh, you know celebrating a whole one, we're soaking in a podcast and a little bottle of liquor. But uh, yeah, so I, I mean I almost had it. Yeah, I had that feeling that that this might be it. Um, you know, when you, you, uh, you hit the iron and you don't feel it, which I think is what most people feel, um, on a regular basis when they hit their irons. Uh, for me, it is total euphoria. Uh, it's, it's the heartbeat when tiger and, and, uh, tiger woods, like Xbox back in the day, you know, um, it wasn't meant to be man, but I tell you what, I went out there. I have on still It probably doesn't smell great, but I got on a UNC polo. Had a UNC pullover. I got UNC towel. I got UNC head covers. I think I got UNC bag. I got UNC license plate. And I rolled right the fuck up into NC State's campus and dared somebody to say something. And uh, yeah, nobody said shit. And I just damn near dropped a hole in one right on their fucking chin. Would have loved it. Would have loved it. And also, uh, more than a hole in one, I'd like to get a birdie on hole 15 at Finley. Me, uh, Sleep, Mm. and Cam, we got this bet. If if mere sleep birdies a hole or birdies fifteen at Finley, there's a lake right beside the hole. Everyone's got to jump in except for the guy who birdied it. And I've never seen anyone birdie that hole. Like I'm, I mean, I'm never in the presence of good golfers. Uh, Cam, notwithstanding, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the bone, Cam. I know you're out there, probably at Waffle House right now. Fifteen has to be the hardest hole at Finley, the lake to the left of the tee box, and then, it, I mean, you got to hit a scud missile right down the middle and hit a hell of an approach shot within. You know, the green is tough, the lake is intimidating, so you always tend to shoot it far right into the other fairway. It's not an easy hole. If you hit it like me and the wind is behind you, and I'm not talking about howling, I'm talking about the wind. If you happen to have the wind behind you, and don't even forget and forget the fact that the next if the wind's behind you here, the next hole, you might not have a chance clearing the shit if you if you uh if you if you play it like me. But you've got at best a four iron into the green from about 205 i'm 185 maybe maybe you get a five iron into the green and then you got to get you know close enough to the hole where you got a snowball's chance in hell of rolling one in and i'm telling y'all it ain't easy only time you got a chance really is when the pin's up front 
And then you really, you really have to execute three great golf shots to bury that hole. Very unlikely you're going to see those from me. Highly unlikely you're going to see those from Big Hawk. But the first two phases you're going to get from Cam more often than not. But Ohulu, he can't putt. So I don't Mm-mm. care if he rolls one up to three feet. We're safe. And he's not even in the bed anyway. He always tries to get in the bet if he's got a birdie putt. But he would never jump in. If I make a birdie, I promise you, he's not going in. Listen, 15 at Finley is an impossible hole. It's hard to part. Get birdies is damn near impossible. But there's nothing more I would love to see than old Hulu take a jump into that lake. Oh, man. Just a damn can opener into that thing. Um, so, you know, I think one of the, you know, one of my New Year's resolutions, I think, is going to be to birdie 15. Mm-hmm. In 2021, you heard it here first. Um, if this podcast even still exists by this time next year, uh, which it will, because, I mean, probably be on, uh, like, our, our fans are growing. I saw, yeah. I'll follow the Instagram page, the DMs. You guys are just sending us great questions. Wow. I appreciate that. Yeah, I know a lot of y'all have been asking about what our New Year's resolutions are going to be. And <laughs> believe it or not, I mean, we're going to tell you. I talked to Cam today. Matter of fact, I called him because people don't know this. I'll disclose this. We had a small gathering. And when I say small, seven friends early on. CDC to the damn, yeah, I mean, airtight listen, CDC guidelines. We were in coordinates. Listen, everyone got COVID except for about two, three people. And Sleep Dog didn't get COVID. Mm. I caught the COVID. Uh, I'm not going to name names because they probably wouldn't like that. But other people caught COVID. And oh, Cam didn't catch COVID, but... Cam had more vodka that night than all of Russia. And I don't know how in the hell he didn't have COVID, but he wasn't feeling what a day. He, he caught a stomach bug. And so he hit our group text and was like, well, I just had to take a COVID test. He was shook. And he was really shook. And I'm trying to say this the most sensitive way. When the test came back negative, I called him. I was like, damn, I was hoping you'd have COVID. Because all that shit you've been talking, how superhuman you are. I thought you finally got the shit. And, but I wished him Merry Christmas and I hope he feels better. Um, but I have the antibodies, by the way, guys. And listen, if you think I'm not going to take the precautions, you're, you're stupid. I'm wearing my mask. I'm doing everything. CDC guidelines. I'm listening to the healthcare experts, wherever they say I do to the T. This is true. Uh, they don't call him T for nothing. The guy has a face shield. I've seen it. I have a picture of it. Uh, we won't be posting that on social media unless Tyler does something to piss us off, and then we might. Um, but yeah, I mean, the guy is, uh, you know, is a trooper. He is. He is one of an elite pack of alpha dogs. Uh, that pack includes me. Uh, that pack includes Sheed the Prez, who. Definitely might have won you guys some money uh, in his, um, you know, stone cold lead pipe kind of house might be on fire pick of the week a couple weeks ago. Notice he hasn't made a pick since. So it's probably because he's just worried that, hey, man, I'm riding high. I'm going to stay there. But, you know, I mean, I think I don't know, like legally, if we're supposed to disclaim the fact that we ain't betting on these games. So, I mean, if you're getting your betting advice for Sleep Hawk Worldwide podcast, uh, I salute you. But, uh yeah, fooling his money will soon part ways. They say. Hey, hit us up if you want. If you want us to get on here and 
drill sheet with some questions of Prez, Mr. Pickett, lock it, book it, send it, farm it. Uh, let us know. We'd love to have the guy on. Um, we just have to get him on before midnight um, <laughs> because after that, I mean, good luck. Good um, Lord. That guy can't spell his name. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this guy is, it just has an unbelievable knack for picking picks and winning money. And uh, he's playing us. But uh, God we- bless in the daily fantasy football league. So I was the one that was like, "Hey guys, we should start a sleep hog worldwide uh, DraftKings. This is not endorsement DraftKings uh, league. I'm probably going to be able to claim the losses on my tax return. I mean, I can't win to save my fucking life. And the other game, I mean, the other weekend, I mean, I'm heading in with like. 200 possible points remaining compared to everybody else's like 60. I need like 20 points. And the Chargers get just drug down the cul-de-sac by damn Cam Newton and the New England Patriots who haven't even – I don't even know if they've – I don't fuck it, man. They suck. And they beat them 45 to nothing. And I lost the one chance I had. I am uh, season-long – just bonafide. I bet I got one of the best teams in ES or in ESPN. Um, and I mean, my team is bonafide contender, but the daily fantasy thing, I mean, she's, she's damn near. This was 401k plan is, uh, you guys won like five out of seven weeks. We're going to have him on the show. And I mean, I really want to ask him, you know, what is your secret? What subscription? Who? Are you, whose ear are you whispering in to get these picks? Because, dude, I want in. Send us questions. Um, where do you get your knowledge sheet? Uh, it's not you. Okay. Who's telling us? Who's telling you this? And we need to talk about his diet. I mean, what is going in that system? Uh, some of these picks are ludicrous. Um, listen, this guy has more grass than uh, John Deere. Um I don't know what, you know, we don't know how his train of thought's going, but we'd love to see what's behind all the knowledge. I mean, he does love Sour Patch Kids. And I, uh, yeah, we're going to get Sheed on here. Uh, Sheed, I got a great story about Sheed that I have to tell before we get off here. Is, here's Sheed personified. I realize that the vast majority of the listeners, all 13 of you, know Sheed. All right, but let's just, you know, humor us and, and like pretend like the average person doesn't know Sheet. So Sheet is what, like six five? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a big dude. Yeah. Uh hear him whisper in a sawmill. Uh and not afraid to just go rated R in public. Just dropping F bombs. I mean, dropping some some sexual words that like we won't even really touch on on the on the Sleephawk Worldwide podcast. You know, we're pretty uh, you know cutting edge in that regard. We are a couple of um, several weeks ago again at a tightly sealed. This is our little our little cohort uh, and a cabin in Asheville, and we go out. Uh, very socially distanced, masked, all that sort of thing for one drink at the Omni Grove Park Inn in Asheville. Okay. This place, for those of you who don't know, is the one of the nicest, most scenic, most like affluent type places. It's 600 bucks a night to stay in this place. Tyler can afford that. Old Sleep Hawk, man, he'll be sleeping in the car. Um, but he'll sleep anywhere. That's, yeah, I won't be name, sleeping right? there. So, uh, 
we walk out and these people are all like high flume people we drinking champagne and drinking all this you know watching the sunset and Sheed's big ass is out here man I mean he's a foot taller than everybody and it's literally just I mean he's got one of these uh looks like a D battery just hammering the smoke on this thing right and uh guys on cloud nine and we love Sheed because everybody knows she, but I'm, I'm one of those guys where I'm like very, I care a lot about what other people feel and she's loud and, and, and like having a great time. And I mean, we love it. Like I said, but I'm like, damn, she, man, I don't know, dude, these people like you're having a good time. They're going to be on the anniversary. They got their kids with them and you just can't say these things out loud that loud. Right. I'm thinking this to myself. Five minutes later, she has a circle of people. I'm talking eight, 12 deep of all ages. I'm talking literally from like 11 to 80. And he's saying the dumbest shit I've ever heard. And these people's heads are back laughing, you know? So this is the kind of guy he is. I mean, he's an asset to the Sleephawk Worldwide Instagram page. If you're not following this guy's advice, um, I don't know, man. He's printing money for somebody, mainly himself. So he might as well get in on it. But Sheed's out there, man, and he's going to be a regular. We're going to start adding personalities to the show, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 no personality is bigger and better than mm-hmm. uh, Sheed the Prez. Yeah, and also, um, like I said, we're going to bring him on here. If you want to test his knowledge, you know, our Doopsy Daisies League is open to the public. Uh, come on and join that thing and see what happens. Twenty dollars entry, winner takes all. I mean, right now you get you know usually in an average week you got about ten teams in the league. You come in there, you pick a winner. I mean, you're going home with 200 bucks with your name on it. You know what I mean? Uh, and uh, 20 of it's mine, guaranteed. I mean, the way things have been going, I might as well just, I, you, know, I might, you might hit me up. I'll just Venmo you 15 to save myself $5. Uh, so anyway, you should check that out. Uh, Tyler told me he wanted to talk about his New Year's resolutions. He hasn't done it. Um, I don't have any because, uh, you know, why wait until then? Why do today what I can put off until tomorrow? Um, but what are they, dude? Like, what should we what should we resolve to do in 2021? Um, well, um, let me start. <laughs> That's a stump. Uh, I stumped him with his own topic. No, I'm going to honestly, I'm going to quit uh, being sporadic on things I can't control. And try to be more relaxed. Uh, sometimes, if I get rushed or and I'm in a hurry, I don't act the way I should. So that's one resolution I have. But I always love people's resolutions because I always tell people, kind of like you said, oh, I don't make re- resolutions. If I want to change something, I'll change it right now. I don't need a whole new year to change it. And I kind of fucking piss them off. But uh, my favorite resolution I ever heard from somebody, it was from my dad. And I asked him if he had any resolutions. And he said, uh, yeah, I'm going to be a better person than I was last year. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll never forget. I thought that shit was so funny. I paint with a broad brush stroke. Yeah, I, um, I resolved to probably, um, you know, I said I'm a birdie 15. I'm stand by it. I mean, I love putting myself under the pressure cooker, you know? I mean... Everybody knows that the whole world now knows that I've, I've made a claim, um, that I intend to uphold. Um, and best believe when it, not if it happens, but when it happens, sleep hog nation will be the first to hear about it. I got to give one last shout out before we get off of here. Uh, my dad lives in Italy and today is his birthday. My dad is, um, 
God, I really hope he's 59 because I think that's how old he is. Um, but uh, he's still well, young. Yeah, he's he's still he's still young. I mean, he's got a great son. Uh, my sister's birthday is also today. Um, you know, when I was a kid. Uh, What's your sister's name? My sister's name is Ashley. My dad's name is Roland, a.k.a. Big Roll. Big Roll. Big Roll. And I'm telling you, man. It fits. Where in where in Italy? There's somewhere near Sicily. I can't pronounce it. All I know is that every single day they send me a a grainy ass picture of Mount Etna. My mom has been sending me pictures of Mount Etna in the dark, so I can't see anything except a little bit of lava that could literally just be uh, orange paint on a wall somewhere. Um, love my parents. Love my dad. Uh, (laughs) they're six hours ahead. So I tried to FaceTime him about six o'clock this evening, realized it's midnight. So, uh, being such a great son, like I didn't tell my dad really get a chance to tell him happy birthday on his birthday. So this is a timeless way to do it. Um, and there was something I was going to say about it. Big roll. Happy birthday. Big roll. Shout out. Uh, not a great golfer. Uh, Definitely yeah. funny though. We're all going to Italy to see him. Oh yeah, uh, in the summer. Hopefully, COVID's gone. I can't wait. So here's here it is. We're gonna show up. My dad is gonna be wearing like uh, just two gold chains with a Spanish coin around his. I guess an Italian coin, Roman coin around his neck. Three pinky rings and just probably like one of those, um, like an ascot or something. Just uh, hair all slicked back and probably raspy ass voice or something. That's just how he rolls. Like call him big roll. Uh, happy birthday, Dad. Happy birthday, my sister. Uh, anything else you want to get into, dude? No, I'm all good. Uh, I'm really looking forward to The Bachelor. Yeah, we're going to be back uh, better than ever. We got a lot of big things coming in 2021, uh, hopefully one of which is uh, this episode. So we'll talk to you soon. See you. Thank you.